eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. While this is technically a Michigan-Purdue preview episode between the point spread for that game and and obviously other things that have gone on during Michigan's bye week, you know, we'll we'll get to the Michigan-Purdue game at the end. But most of this is probably going to be talking about what's been popularly phrased as sign gate and some of the situations surrounding the NCAA's investigation into Michigan for improper scouting, I guess would be the the way to phrase it. Plenty has happened since our last episode. We're not going to be able to get into all of it, but we, we do want to offer some of our thoughts on some of the bigger topics. And, and the big thing going on the past 24 hours or so definitely seems to be a, a campaigned pressure put on the Big Ten to do something. What that is, coaches, the anonymous coaches speaking, don't seem to get into detail. I mean, I'm sure they would prefer a cha- a ban from the championship game or whatever, but be sure to read more about this over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan247sports.com. I think, I think the last 24 hours, in addition to seeing this, I mean, I guess it's just a continuation of what we saw last week, which just felt like a pretty transparently organized stream of leaks or releases or anonymous quotes or message board rumors being reported as facts. It it seems very agenda-driven or strategic, I should say. You know, the NCAA has said nothing publicly. Michigan football has said nothing publicly. Yet somehow every day, sometimes even twice a day, it seems like different national media publications or or kind of fringe media people on Twitter seem to have a new thing, a new, you know, this, a new set of evidence, a new set of anonymous quotes, a new set of speculation. And Steve, I think you and I are fairly in agreement that sounds very much like counter stallions at the very least paid people to go scout Michigan's future opponents. That, that, those dots seem to be connected. I think the, the remaining questions are a lot more up in the air. How much did Michigan's coaches know? You know, what will the NCAA do since there isn't really a an explicit punishment 
set for this kind of penalty. It's not even 100% clear what the NCAA's interpretation of the rule is going to be. Obviously, they view it as close enough to a couple violations that it's worth investigating, but I still think there's a lot of ambiguity on like what is going to happen from here on out. You and I are not in denial of Michigan doing some sort of taking the advanced scouting further than other teams do. We'll see what happens in terms of punishment. But I think both of us have have a bone to pick, have sentiments about uh, just how orchestrated the, the media push has been. It feels very transparent to me that a bunch of coaches who, who won't say anything when asked about it in press conferences, but when they have anonymity, you know, all of a sudden the gloves come off. All of a sudden, they are irate. This is an affront to to college football. This is complete competitive advantage. It's the allegedly the only reason Michigan is thirty whatever in three over the past three seasons, which you and I don't agree with. But it does seem interesting that yeah, it just seems like it's a an orchestrated effort to I guess try to foster Michigan's downfall. It seemed like last week there was a big push because all these stories were accompanied with rumors that. Harbaugh might bolt to the NFL. Well, now there's a lot of reports that he isn't bolting to the NFL and that, in fact, our site, Sam Webb, had a report last night in which he indicated he is now 95% confident that Michigan and Harbaugh will sign an extension. Well, does it seem a little coincidental that as soon as that kind of chatter started happening, all of a sudden, all these Big Ten coaches are screaming at the Big Ten commissioner saying, you got to get him out of the, you got to get Michigan out of the championship game. So I guess to me and Steve, I want to get your thoughts cuz cuz you were the one that actually called me and said, "We got to talk about some of this stuff." But it it seems to me pretty not so coincidental, not so subtle that as soon as Harbaugh's getting a rumored extension, well now suddenly the push is on the Big 10 to do something this year. I think initially it felt like last week the push was accompanied by, "Oh, Harbaugh will probably bolt to the NFL and whatever." Michigan will hire a worse coach and la-di-da. Now it seems like that Harbaugh's kind of digging his his heels in and sticking around for a while. It does seem, Now it seems like there's a push on the Big Ten. So, Steve, I, I think, you know, you and I kind of similar pages in terms of clearly Michigan did something. I, I have a hard time believing the NCAA would just say, ah, nothing to see here, especially now. But But the media frenzy has felt very strategic. It's felt very pointed at trying to make this a, trying to almost speak for either the NCAA or Michigan's rivals. Like it it really, it feels like that is who is advocating and Michigan, they're not allowed to say anything. So it's an easy target for, for people who are trying to get after Michigan. But yeah, it just feels like there's been story after story. And, and I think all of them, follow the same pattern where it's either based off speculation, rumor, anonymous coaches or anonymous sources, I should say. And then there does seem to be a, an effort in the editorial parts of the stories to build the story up and to say, this is a big deal when, as you'll probably point out in more detail, a couple years ago, the NCAA almost got rid of this rule because it provided little competitive advantage. And then a couple years ago, also, The Athletic reported that, did you say 80 to 90% of coaches, or coaches believe 80 to 90% of other programs participate in at least some sort of sign stealing. So, Steve, I I think you're on the same page as me about this media. It just, it, it feels very pointed, intentional, and strategic from the people who are providing 
these anonymous quotes and rumors. Yeah, I mean, I had to like calm down to before I talked about because like, and I'll preface it the same thing as you, Zach. Uh, when we actually hear facts, then we can actually talk about what the next course of action may or may not be, right? But to this point, I don't believe there has been, I mean, I, I think the list of actual facts that are known about, I don't, we don't even know exactly what is being alleged. That's correct. Yeah, the right? NCAA like, like... <laughs> has not said that. What what everyone is basing it off of is ESPN's report, which, I mean, not hard yeah, to yes. read that story and think the NCAA probably provided this information but yeah there's no actual and i do think the ncaa probably owes it to college football because everyone on both sides is so misinformed whether you like i know michigan fans have strong feelings i know people who don't like michigan have strong feelings and everyone seems misinformed or at least ill-informed to the point where the rumors the speculation get to run wild because the ncaa hasn't come out and said anything yet right the only the only things the NCAA have said is what they have fed ESPN, Pete, Ross, Dellinger, and whoever. The ones who have completely made a total joke out of this entire story from the beginning. Yeah, like I said, I mean, and that's where it begins is that we don't even know what is alleged yet. I mean, how ridiculous is this that we have publications writing articles, quoting anonymous Big Ten coaches? Like, what? what is this? 18 hours, not even after Sam's report about the 95% chance of the contract, and they already have anonymous Big Ten coaches crying like babies anonymously about Harbaugh potentially getting a new contract when they probably wouldn't, there'd be, they would almost have no clue what is actually still being investigated. I'd love to know if, and I'm just throwing, these are not, I'm just, this is not what I'm, but like a Tom Allen. Or a, or a Mike Loxley. Like, do you think that they're sitting in their offices? Like, that you think they know what the facts are in this situation? There'd be no, there's almost no way that that's even possible. So, yeah, you have publications and then pundits like little Stewie Mandel always, always has his, a guy who hasn't even, but this is, bef- this is before we've even gotten this far. This was a week ago, already crying about, Michigan potentially being in the Big Ten title game and the college football playoff when we're still sitting here a week later and we don't even know what Michigan's being, what exactly Michigan is being investigated for. Uh, it's pitiful. You know, anyone that has any knowledge of the the background on some of this stuff, like ESPN Pete is a guy that, that Harbaugh refused to answer one of his, I don't even remember what the question was, but this is this is two years ago, three years ago refused to answer literally refused to answer his question at the big 10 media day i think his comment was something about like you're only here to stir things up you know because we're talking about espn pete is uh has been urban meyer's lapdog going back to his florida days with the cam newton uh leaving florida to go to auburn situation where if i re- if i recall correctly <laughs> you know i'm sure cam newton got something to go to auburn but uh nothing was ever actually like proven proven you know and he was the one leading the charge there on behalf of urban meyer and so it's basically been coordinated that's why this has all come out so slowly that's why it's all come out during michigan's bye week too there's no game for michigan to distract i mean it did come out shortly before the michigan state game but i mean it's continued though and it's been it has been painfully slow 
And there's definitely, you know, reasons for that. So don't care about the rival fans like chugging copium over this story, you know, particularly Ohio State fans who can't get over the fact that Michigan annihilated them the last two seasons. I, I'm almost waiting for one of these guys to, to write a column asking, has Michigan ever really ever beaten Ohio State? You know, <laughs> that's how ridiculous this has gotten. And uh, so, again, if, if it comes out factually that Michigan did stretch these rules to a point that of of where it's worth legitimate penalties, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But the problem is so many quote-unquote responsible publications and people have already they crossed that bridge two weeks ago and it's it's just it's pitiful so you know maybe maybe the reason they're there maybe the reason that some of these guys are so confident is because the ncaa is feeding them the information uh but i just it just does feel like a little bit of a double you know and to go back to ohio state i'm surprised we haven't seen more about the you know Last year it was, well, Georgia planted a camera in the in the uh, Georgia Dome before the for the national semifinal. That was the rumor going around then. Before that, it was Brent Venables in Clemson stealing Ohio State signals. Uh, it's been almost constant when it comes to it. But my, I guess my thing is, where was the investigation if, if for a national semifinal game? That seemed if it's such an egregious deal, where's the where's? I mean, it was. Every story I found about the Georgia situation were all written on December 29th, 2022, which means that story started and ended that day, which is pretty crazy to me. If it's if if you actually, uh, you know, if there were actually rumors that Georgia had planted a camera, Kirby Smart was asked about it and he and Todd Munkin just got to laugh it off and say, that's ridiculous. And that was the end of the story. So my issue and we talked about this before we got on Zach it's i it, it, for michigan fans out there i really don't think this is as much about it being this coordinated this coordination this seemingly like yeah just the way this is all going i don't think it's anti michigan i do think it's it's anti harbaugh i think there are members of the media that that yes would love to be the one to take harbaugh down you know there's this this warped woodward bernstein crap <laughs> like that they want to be the investigative reporter that brought Jim Harbaugh down. I don't really necessarily think it's too much anti-Michigan. A couple of the guys I mentioned before, maybe, but either way, that that is by far my biggest gripe with the situation right now is, is that the athletic has written a couple different, done a, published a couple different articles over the last three or four years, basically literally writing that sign stealing is an open secret in college football and that quote 80 to 90 percent of the teams in the country do it they have jim knowles quoted as saying 75 percent of the teams in the country you know steal signs okay not a big deal then now it's now it's everything and again if it comes out that michigan was going beyond just stealing signs and that this was some whatever okay but we don't even know if like how much more uh they're being accused of right now so uh Either way, you know, it goes from it goes from 80 to 90 coaches to this like weird ass poll they did the other day about uh with with they asked 50, of course, of course, anonymous coaches who have literally nothing. I actually am impressed that 17 out of the 50 said that they have somebody that steals signs on staff. I mean, 
you're anonymous. Uh, you know, but but all of a sudden, 17 out of 50, which is like, I, you know, I haven't done math in a long time, but well, it's a little less than 40%. But, you know, how it goes from 80 to 90% to less than 40%, and then try to, like, promote this as if this, like, which one's representative then? You know, it just, the whole thing, the, the coverage of this has been god-awful. I mean, there's just no way around it. And I, I and I understand Harbaugh's a very attractive target, and that there might be something here. But like I said, you have people that 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 should not have made up their minds on what this is until the end, who have already made up their minds about what this is, and it's 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 kind of sick. It's it's ridiculous. So yeah, there's way more. I'll say this: covering, I'm going to cover recruiting a little bit differently than I did before, maybe to some extent. With the, the, it's like, you know, like I said to you, Zach, before we got on, Nick Saban, tell, Nick Saban tells the media that Jimbo Fisher bought AM's number one class a couple of years ago. And it's literally a one day story, even though we all know that Jimbo Fisher and Texas AM bought their number one class. It's ridiculous. I thought, like, for us at 24 7, the blue chip ratio, the, the, te- the team talent composite, clear correlation in those two things and who wins national championships. Uh, roster building is the most, is the safest way to cheat in the, in this sport because the NCAA is never going to do anything about it with recruiting. I mentioned Tennessee, who really didn't even get busted. They were actually able to free up $13 million off of their Jeremy Pruitt contract by probably self-leaking to the NCAA what was going on so that they could fire him with cause. 18 so, level one violations. Yep, yep. Which Harbaugh, it, Harbaugh was suspended three games, and he might be suspended more for one subjective level one violation that stemmed from four level two recruiting violations. Correct. Thank you for that context. I couldn't remember how many level ones Tennessee had, but it was a lot. But point being, Tennessee's in a better spot now than they were before their investigation. You know, they got out of all that money. Their recruiting hasn't hurt. Their recruiting's still doing fine, even though former 24-7 sports recruiter of the year, I can't remember the dude's name, but he's now... I think he's like the linebackers coach for IMG Academy now. All these coaches around the country still doing a really quote great job recruiting these kids. You know, it's just there's just it's such a joke. You know why Michigan would follow the book as much as they have recruiting wise when a there's no incentive to do otherwise and b the NCA hasn't shown that they're going to do anything about it with any of these schools yet. They'd have a dude dress up like Charlie Chaplin on the central Michigan sideline to cover a scout, a crappy Michigan state team just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So just a couple things regarding the Harbaugh specific, I don't, maybe not hate the Harbaugh specific contempt that the media seems to have, that coaches seem to have in terms of anonymous coaches. I don't blame them for saying what they have to say. They, they literally have nothing to lose from Michigan's downfall and everything to gain. If Michigan gets hit with some sanctions or penalties or whatever, that's going to help every other big time coach and probably every other power five coach in recruiting in transfer portal players, whether it's Michigan players leaving or recruiting players who have hit the portal. Uh, It's going to help because Michigan would potentially lose assistant coaches or head coaches or whatever. And it, and it also helps them clear a path to Big Ten championship game to the postseason, to bowl games, to wins. So, yeah, 
if you if you get coaches anonymously, they're going to root for the downfall of every single other program that they are with. And I think that's especially true because Harbaugh, ever since he arrived at Michigan, he's never been a part of the the boys club of college football head coaches. I think there's a lot of coaches out there who, you know, they didn't have a pro career or if they did, it was very brief and who kind of rose through the ranks. They met, you know, built a network when they were like recruiting staffers or GAs. Then as when they were position coaches, they like bounced around a little bit. They had, you know, these networks built, maybe they became coordinators. It seems like there's like this very chummy, almost fraternity like group of coaches who all kind of either worked with each other or crossed paths here and there. Harbaugh, first round NFL draft pick, played in the NFL 17 years, immediately, you know, does one year as an NFL assistant, immediately gets a head coaching job, and he's been head coach ever since. And he doesn't do he might do it among Michigan fans. I'm not not saying he never does, but in terms of around the coaches, I've seen it at, you know, different media events. Uh he is not like a jovial small talk gift of gab coach you know he's very serious about his business he does not feel like he needs to be chummy chummy with all these different coaches at recruiting events and and obviously he's not like an alien right i mean he's he will have conversations but you can tell and steve maybe you've noticed it too he's not like this he's not part of their boys club fraternity you know chummy chummy like most coaches in college football one other coach who I know is not a part of that boys club, and I think he's getting scrutinized for a lot of different reasons, but it does feel like it's a similar level of like pile-on whenever he slips up is Deion Sanders. They are not the same, but Deion Sanders, obviously very successful athletic career of his own, doesn't immediately get handed a Power 5 job, neither did Harbaugh, but but you know his head coach kind of climbs up on in his own way, doesn't necessarily go, come up the same way that a lot of the the coaches that I'm referring to came up. And so I think, you know, when there's a chance to pile on Harbaugh, I think a lot of coaches will take it, not just rooting for Michigan's downfall because that benefits them in 20 different ways. But also I think there is a contempt in terms of the media. I have it on decent authority. I mean, you guys can see after the game, how he treats the post game uh, interview that, that they do on TV. Like that bothers, you know, he's like that with a lot of national media. A lot of coaches, when ESPN calls and wants to tour the facilities or ESPN calls and they want, or other publications, I don't mean to pick on just ESPN, when different national publications call and want tours of the facilities or one-on-one interviews with national reporters or come on our show to talk about this, most coaches kind of say yes all the time to national media. I have it on decent authority that Harbaugh says no at, well, at least a couple people have told me more than any coach in college football. You don't think that plays a role? You don't think when there's a chance to, you know, take your pinata swing, you don't think that they try to do that? You don't think that reporters who have been denied interviews that they get from everyone else who have been had questions go unanswered or questions scoffed at, or exclusive access not granted that they can get at a lot of other top 10 programs. So you co- you combine the two, and suddenly it's national reporters. And by the way, he doesn't give local reporters much access either in terms of that stuff. It's not, it's not like he's given us VIP tours of anything or one-on-one interviews. I, it's just not a, not a fan of the media, Jim Harbaugh. You don't think when there's a chance for coaches and 
media and I don't know, we'll see, but maybe even the NCAA seems like they're not big fans. I mean, they, they literally broke their protocol with an angry statement. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Okay. That's the other (laughs) thing. That's when I lost some confidence in that whole, because for a governing body to release such a trash statement in the middle of an investigation, I mean, that was so out of, out of left field, so unnecessary. I, I don't know if they've ever done that before. I, I, it would be I, hard I, for us to tell, right? I mean, we we never, it'd be every... hard to look back and find, but either, but either way, at the very least, uh, extremely uncommon. Yes. Right? Unprecedented. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, so that, I'm glad so you Steve, mentioned guess, that. that. That was, yeah, sorry. I guess what I'm saying is I think Harbaugh and some of it's, not his fault, but some of it, you know, just he's not he's not going to do the the shoot the breeze, small talk, friendly, jovial approach with people who aren't his players, his coaches. He's very singular focused. Every reporter who has ever asked Jim Harbaugh a question would agree, I think, <laughs> with that with that approach. So you don't think when there's a chance, when there's like some free punches, because again, Michigan can't punch back. They can't respond. Maybe someday they will or someday they can. But right which, now, which, by the way, real quick, before you, we, as you said that now we've had Harbaugh mention at least once that he wishes that they would love to be able to speak on it if they couldn't. I believe Jesse Minter said the exact same thing. Was it yesterday or the other day in his press conference as well? Right. That was yes. his exact yeah. answer was yeah. I'd love to speak on it if I could. So it's not as if Michigan's just out here giving no comments, which is a very, could easily be the answer, I suppose in these situations, but I don't know. Maybe that's nothing. Maybe it's semantics. I kind of wonder if that's just them. Sure. Breaking the tension a little bit. Yeah, it does. It does. It it is factually hard to sit there and be asked a bunch of questions that you are told you're not allowed to answer. Right. Right. And I probably some frustration on their end too. I mean, they're, Oh, you you know, no one's more frustrated about this. than Michigan (laughs) coach. I mean, we'll find out just, you know, how much each coach knew, but yeah. You're preparing to play Michigan State. Your team is the best team you've had in at least a generation. And I would argue, based on how Michigan is playing right now, maybe even multiple generations. You have one of the all-time best teams in history. You have players who turned down millions to come back and play for this team, and they're working hard. You you finally put together the envisionment of, of the roster you've always dreamed of. You don't really have major weaknesses. You have depth everywhere. You have experience everywhere. So yeah, if you're a coach or you're you're a player, I mean, and then suddenly it's as of right now, a low level staffer was taking his job of of noticing team signs because again that is not against rules, but he took that job per, perhaps too far, far enough that the NCAA is investigating, and suddenly like everything's being questioned. Your thirty whatever and three record, thirty three and three record the past three seasons is fraudulent, even though they won 26 of those games by 21 points or more. They have beaten 12 of the 13 other Big Ten teams by at least three touchdowns at least once in the last two and a half seasons. And and so, yeah, no, nobody is more frustrated about this than Michigan is. And and I'm sure that, yeah, and then to be muzzled by the NCAA, I mean, it's, I think it's a fair thing. I think that would really... I don't think that should be a different precedent because if, if teams are allowed to complain about the NCAA or, or share information during an investigation, I think that that would be a thread you don't really want to pull. So I get it. But yeah, you don't think they would love to leak anonymous quotes to, to reporters? You don't think they would love to 
have a go on a podcast or have a press conference and and offer their thoughts and offer their speculation on who they think is cheating because i i'll tell you this steve i'm sure you're in the same boat i have heard about plenty of cheating that michigan thinks other teams are doing and it's not just recruiting oh yeah i mean it's it's you know and it's rumors it's stuff that they can't verify but but yeah this has got to be a a dream come true for some rival fan bases because you always hear about oh well such and such is using steroids or such and such is picking signs or such and such uh, is practicing more than they're allowed to practice I mean there's all that stuff but it doesn't usually merit not only an NCAA investigation but a, a storm where you have the national media you have rival media types you have an opportunity to speak anonymously I mean this has got to be as Jim Harbaugh likes to say, a lot of coaches, a lot of reporters are in hog heaven right now because they've been waiting. They were waiting for Jim Harbaugh. They were waiting for Michigan to slip up in a way that, that could be proven. And that's on Connor Stallions for sure. To leave a paper trail that was that traceable, people could figure out in four days, not delete your Venmo, not buy tickets in another name, not, I mean, I'm not encouraging any of what he's di- doing, obviously, but not use a burner phone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that reminded on. me. Hey, that so that reminded me of the 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 buying it in his own name reminded me of a. I was totally aside, but it's what it reminded me of of a a guy that used to work for my dad broke into my dad's truck back in the day and uh, took a couple checks out of it out of like the, the company like little checkbook or whatever. Cash him <laughs> in his name. He did. Yeah, he wrote him. Oh in his, my gosh. He wrote him in his own name. So when they went, when they realized that somebody had like some extra money was out of the account, all they had to do was look at the picture of the check and it just said the guy's name on it. Like didn't even, didn't even come as an employee, like writing it to cash or, or trying to write it in, as cash or something. Just wrote uh, their own name. Like just, you know, like world's dumbest criminal level right stuff, right you know so and that's always um, like a fun radio segment is such and such committed this crime and they got caught because they did the you know the dumbest <laughs> thing so look not 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 say encouraging way to, but the fact that it's so that there's like enough paper trail that it's proven that the, the the rumors the message board speculation has like come to life a little bit yeah coaches certain national media members they've been waiting a long time because michigan and harbaugh have held themselves to this kind of highbrow tough to beat the cheaters. You know, we're the program that does it the clean way. You know, they've held themselves to that standard. And, you know, again, we'll see what the NCAA finds. But, yeah, a lot of entities were waiting for a moment like this to be able to punch in a way that Michigan can't punch back. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I to me, Steve, I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel like the fact that Michigan's back on board with extending Jim Harbaugh and Harbaugh's back on board with, agreeing to an extension and that's not official that it just seems to be trending pretty strongly that way that says to me that michigan does not feel like this is going to be some sort of postseason ban death penalty you know giant sanctions passed down i mean we'll we'll see i don't Uh, know how I, i mean i don't know how you could take it any other way right right that 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 part of it the fact that yeah not only because there's already uh, another NCAA investigation. So if there was going to be more, right, right, or if Michigan felt like they were going to be implicated, because I, I do think it's a different story if, and I said we weren't going to get into all this. I think we're getting into all this. But I That's think it's okay. a different story if Connor Stallions was 
acting on his own volition and making these decisions and didn't actually tell Michigan assistants about it. Or if he did, it wasn't traceable. I I, I, dude, again, again, I, I, I'm sorry, but I just can't truly fathom a Michigan staff member signing off on a guy dressing in disguise to watch freak, central freaking Michigan play <laughs> Michigan State, dude. I'm sorry. It just doesn't make any sense. Michigan State stinks. Michigan did not need to do any advanced level scouting to beat Michigan State this year, let alone dress a guy up as a central Michigan staffer. Like, I, I don't From even a hilarity know. standpoint, I, I it's, just, I really, it's, it's, it's comical. So it it yeah. really is comical, but yeah. Cause it's so, not like, implausible it's, because of what we else we've heard about him. Of like him. It, 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 of, of yes, him. Not, yes. not a very Michigan. much. Very like it much does seem so. like this is a guy who, who really <laughs> approached his job. Like he had absolutely nothing to lose and that he could, he wanted to out hustle everybody. And, and to the point where he, it sounds like ignored rules unless Mich- unless it comes out that Michigan told him to do this sounds right. like he was all about the hustle the grind finding any way to stand out meanwhile Harbaugh or Michigan's assistants they have everything to lose they have so much to lose if they're implicated in this I mean their jobs their you know their million dollar salaries a job yes. that many would kill for so yeah I, I I think Charles Woodson said it too he's like look everyone knows this stuff is traceable, like phones, ticket scans, everything like that. And he basically said, I can't speak to what's what Michigan has done. I just have a hard time believing Jim would suscept himself to that, especially when he's been a pretty successful coach. Dude, at every level. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, I mean, they, they keep showing pictures of him next to like Minter and all this kind of crap. And like you said, like you talk about with them have, I mean, you're talking about multiple staff members right now who are probably in line to be a head coach at a major program within the next year or two years at the most. Again, feels very risky to <laughs> to sign off on this. Uh, this guy doing like whatever, uh, you know, I, I yeah, either way. I just I, I just again, it just is so ridiculous that I just can't. It just doesn't make much sense for Michigan to risk against Michigan's problem before COVID was Ohio state, not any other team in the conference. Just, you know, and even though like, like did we already talk about the quote, the other quote from the big 10 coach about how he went like this, they're whining about the contract, how he, or he was on the hot seat before or after the COVID season and look at what happened. Well, like they were a play away from being in the big 10 championship game or a game away three times in the four years prior to COVID also? like I think twice, but but they were sorry, in the Sorry, sorry, wasn't 19? 19 was the year. I'm, I'm sorry, 19 was yeah. the year they lost twice, yeah. Anyway. But in uh, terms of that, in terms of that discussion, how about you ask Aiden Hutchinson, who's looking like one of the best defensive players in the NFL, did he play a role, or are you going to say it was Connor Stallions? Mike McDonald is currently looking like one of the top three or four defensive coordinators in any level of football. Yep. Do you think he played a role? He's doing pretty well with the Ravens. Like, it's not like oh, I mean, I, the, this the, whole Michigan got of, better. Yeah, Anyone yeah. who doesn't think Michigan got better, I mean, they had, what, five 
top two, first or second round draft picks from their defense, and they're about to have more from those defenses the past couple seasons. I mean, the, the run game, the fact that even with their struggles, NFL scouts still think Michigan has two of the top five running back prospects in the in the next year's NFL draft. J.J. McCarthy, top 20 NFL draft pick. The last time Michigan had a top 20 projected NFL draft pick quarterback, what was it 1948? I mean, it's it's like, look, there's a lot of reasons Michigan got better. And you can say, you know, maybe it played a role. I, I'm not in denial that, that Michigan perhaps used it to its advantage. But when you're beating teams by three touchdowns, having a good sense or even knowing, oh, they're going to run to the right or, oh, they're going to throw it here. That's not why they're winning by three touchdowns. And, and but that's not still, why they're it, winning. Yeah, It still depends on what it is. Because <laughs> we still don't know exactly what it right is you know that's the well, that's the biggest theme here is like this whole thing is like i'm still waiting to hear and again it could be that the ncaa comes out and we're like oh wow okay they did that but we don't even know yeah. what that still is that's you know so uh that's the other, that's been by far my biggest problem with this whole thing so far yeah the other so. thing about the whole michigan only got good because of this go look at their box scores they were a second half team Second team teams that have the other team signals are first half teams. And then the other team changes the signals and and then, you know, it's harder to adjust teams that have opposing team signals aren't going into like seven different games last season trailing at halftime, or I think it was nine where it was a one score game at halftime. I mean, they beat Ohio state in the second half. They beat Penn state in the second half. They beat Michigan state in the second half. They were a second half team through and through. And watch the game. Watch the game. It's not they. You know they weren't acutely aware of every single play. I don't. I don't doubt that they might have had an advantage. I don't doubt that Stallions was really good at picking out signals. That might be part of why they were a second half team, is they saw the signals in the first half and were able to apply it to the second half. You know, part of the in-game adjustments that that they often get, that they often tout. Even this season, I mean, you know, they've been a lot better than everyone they've played, but. But yeah, it seems like that third quarter is kind of when they start to really pour it on. And that was true last year. That was true in 2021. So that's the only, I mean, look, we'll obviously, when there's facts, when there's stuff known, yeah, it might be a different tune. Yeah. But in terms of sitting here right now, because here's the thing, if other Big Ten coaches want to speak anonymously and say those things when Michigan can't respond, like they're not, they're not waiting for the facts. They're not waiting for the investigation. They want Michigan to be punished before the investigation for violating a sportsmanship policy. So, in terms of I, I there's a few things that that I, I I think Michigan will end up, or Michigan fans might end up eating their words on. Michigan was good the last three years, and, and not just good, elite, great, as good as they've been in a generation no matter what the sign situation was, in my opinion. Because look at who was drafted. Look at where these coaches are interviewing. I mean, Mike McDonald, one year, goes to be the Ravens defensive coordinator. Jesse Minter, after one year, is a finalist for the Super Bowl runner-ups defensive coordinator position. You know, Sharon Moore was turning down head coaching jobs, Power 5 head coaching jobs. Other coaches have turned down Group of 5 head coaching jobs or, you know, promotions. Like, it's not... It's not just the signs, but like, like anyway, you know, Steve, anything other, else? No. Uh, well, just 
it's hard to not put the Homer glasses on in this situation. You know, it's just uh, if you're an Ohio State fan and you want to go to bed at night convincing yourself that Michigan has never beaten Ohio State fair and square, then go ahead. Pretty, pretty pitiful. I do think if you ask me, but go one ahead. One thing I'll it. say I mean, in defense of Michigan State, Ohio State fans, I think if the shoe was on the other foot and say Michigan State had beaten Michigan oh, it, two years comes, in a row, it comes with plus, the territory. Yes, I agree. They would all I, be saying the same thing. I get I agree, it. but but it's is it's I say this is kind of weird for me. Like my animosity rivalry wise is actually has usually more lied with Michigan State because my thing with Ohio State is I've always loved the rivalry more than I have any negative feelings towards Ohio State. I think the the third weekend of November is the or the third Saturday in November is the the greatest day of the year. It's a day that fans of both programs should look forward to. But there is this like I guess it goes back to I think maybe when and after the 21 game probably when we you know I, or even maybe last year more so is uh you know I always wondered what would happen to their fan base and whatever the psyche when Michigan maybe won a couple games in a row. I wondered if they'd start to sort of cannibalize themselves a little bit. And I, th- I, th- I sort of think with the reaction you're seeing to this, uh, you're sort of starting to see it like really shine through big time uh, because now they'll never, uh, many of them, not all of, I don't know, maybe all, who knows, uh, will never admit the, like just, you know, it'll always be, that Michigan didn't win these games like fair and square, even though I want to say, weren't they, was it, was it Ohio state that was quote saying that they had support, they had changed their signs ahead of the that game is last what they year. Said. Right. Was, so I mean, that it was, was forgotten just, pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was mentioned, um, but yeah, it just, uh, which by the way, teams change their signs all yes, the time. That, high that's school teams, that's, high school, that's, like freshman high school teams change their signs to like not get, Right. Got, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. not get got. Uh, but yeah, no, I just, uh, you know, and I know it's been a rough season in East Lansing. So any anti Michigan thing is going to make, you know, a lot of their representatives yeah. feel a lot That's better. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just uh, pretty comical. It really wasn't a Charlie Chaplin disguise, but it was it, it maybe pretty darn close from how it looks. Just, uh, just a comical situation. So, but yeah. Biggest thing is we don't know what it is, and once we do, uh, then then can then we can kind of sit down and actually have a rational discussion about this. So should we talk Purdue? I mean, what like yeah Michigan, for now for now Michigan's Michigan win. does have a football game on Saturday. We're gonna hit a quick break on the other side. We'll preview that game and offer our score predictions for Saturday. You're listening to the Wolverine twenty four seven podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, Stephen, all the flurry, I, I feel like fans, like I, I'm noticing, you know, just the message board, social media. It's like it's almost forgotten that Michigan's playing a game this this weekend. Part of it is because Purdue, they're one and four in the Big Ten. They're two and six overall. Uh, might be competing with the Indianas and Michigan States in terms of worst teams on in Michigan's Big Ten schedule this season. Uh, pretty dreadful, but we're going to knock through, through some of these over-unders and talk about our thoughts on this game while we do so. First one, Michigan running backs have 5.5 rushes of at least 10 yards. So far this season, Purdue has allowed 42 of them, so that would be roughly about what Purdue does on average. And and I guess like the key for me, I think the biggest thing Michigan can show this weekend that would have me thinking, yeah, they're ready to rock against Penn state. Cause I, I think they're there. I think they would beat Penn state. I'm not saying, you know, but the biggest thing that would be a sign that Michigan is really starting to hit the best version of itself or become the best version of itself out of the bye week dominant run game. I think their run game has been, Decent all year. They're 40th nationally in yards per carry. But I still don't think that they have really hit the gear that they expected to hit. And at this point, eight games in, coming off a bye week, everyone's fresh. The offseason operations on on the running backs, they both missed spring ball. I mean, they've had time to, to recover and rehab. Offensive linemen have had time to gel. I think this is a week where Michigan can really show just how dangerous it can be in the in the late in the season in the postseason against the top tier opponents uh with a dominant run game. Purdue actually like a modestly decent run defense. You know, their their, their coverage, pass defense not so great, offense not so great, but they they've st- they've stopped the run decently well this season. So over/unders 5.5 rushes of at least 10 yards. I am going to take the over that's a good number though i don't think it's going to be a ton over i just i think michigan realizes like this is an opportunity for them to get into a their run game to get into a rhythm get comfortable and maybe give penn state some penn state's really good defense something to think about on on film your thoughts yeah yeah i'll take the over also i I, uh yeah michigan sort of do yeah to have maybe more of a what we'd call a we're a broken record on that one, aren't we? Yeah, no, it does. But <laughs> well, I didn't say Edward specifically. I said the running game. But no, I'll say over. I think I because I agree with you. I, I still just I still kind of wonder how much they've really actually tried to show uh, in the running game, and this would be the week to start to unveil some of that stuff. You know, I feel like because yeah, heading into. Uh, Happy Valley next weekend. Penn State, very good front seven defensively. So I'll take the over. Yeah, I think there's some value to an element of surprise in terms of like the the schematics, the blocking schemes, things like that. But you do want your players to be confident. And it's almost better to maybe have your players build confidence and kind of get Penn State mind rattling a little bit, thinking about what, what else they need to stop. So... I think I think that's a focus. All right, next one. All wide receivers, not tight ends, have a combined 109.5 yards receiving. 
So not no Colson Loveland, no running backs, no AJ Barner. I kind of think the over. I don't. I don't know. I I'm very so. Purdue, pretty good pass rush. Pretty good pass rush. One of the better ones Michigan has faced so far. In the last four games, they, they're providing pressure on 44.1% of opponents' dropbacks. On, over, the, on the, over the course of the season, it's 37%. Uh, Kydron Jenkins, probably one of the... He leads the Big Ten in pass rushing production and quarterback pressures this season. So he's good. They got a few other edge guys. Their interior is not bad either at providing pressure. So I don't know if Michigan, especially, you know, knowing how important JJ McCarthy's health will be for the final three games of the season. I don't know if they're going to drop back and like really seven step drop aim and fire. But as long as Michigan can get the ball off Purdue's secondary, just brutal in coverage. I think the linebackers aren't that much better. I didn't even look that far because I saw the stats that, that the secondary was allowing just not very good. And in pro football focuses, they, in their coverage grade, Purdue is 133rd out of 133 teams. So if there's a game to get Cornelius Johnson, some big catches, if there's a game to maybe see what Samaj Morgan can bring you, see what Frederick Moore can give you. And obviously Roman Wilson has been good against everybody so far. 109. That's like hinting that Michigan will throw for 250 plus yards because they are going to throw to their tight ends. They are going to throw to their running backs. I, I I think I'm taking the over on this, though. Just Purdue does not have much in terms of lockdown corners or safeties who can cover. I think this is going to be an opportunity. Even though I just said I think they're going to try to you know really assert their dominance in the run game. Yeah, I think the opportunities will be there, especially early in the game, in the pass game. So I'm taking the over. Steve, how about you? You know, Roman Wilson still is not on the Bolitnikoff watch list. It's like 60. I was just going to ask how many receivers and tight ends on the list. And they, and, and they've been adding names as the season continues. And he's not, yeah, on the, he's second in the country in touchdowns receiving. And, and, and I know, uh, I know he doesn't have like the same yardage as teams no, throw the ball but, 40 times a game, but it's not like he's been. It's, some chump. I mean, he's no, put up pretty I, good numbers. He's been a top five receiver easily right. in the Big Ten. I think he landed They've, on a bunch of all Big Ten teams. Yeah. And they added uh Cade Stover from Ohio State last week, who's who's been great, good. Had but... a great year for them. My response I looked at that, I thought, well, then I looked because I'm like, am I missing something here? It's like and I saw him and Colson Loveland have almost identical receiving statistics this year and no Colston Loveland on there either. So um, it's all a big conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kidding. Obviously Cade Stover should be on there. There are yes. a lot of receivers on there that shouldn't be though, that I saw. I did look up some stats, but either way I'll take the over as well. I, I kind of feel the same way. Michigan. It's, it's just, it's kind of hard to, and that's to their credit. Uh, it's been really hard to know who is going to excel the most in the passing game. Right. I mean, Look at what they did against Michigan State. I mean, that was totally tight end, yeah, driven. So, uh, I'll take the uh, I'll take the over though. I, I agree. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to maybe work on that deep ball a little bit. And yeah, and with the younger guys specifically, it'd be interesting to see, um, or even a Darius Clemens. You know, those type of guys. I agree, especially coming out of the bye week and and your tight ends. They you already know 
not that they're going to not use the tight ends, but like you already know they can help you. If if they're open, you can find them. I guess like the question would be, does J, is J.J. McCarthy, sometimes when a tight end has a game like A.J. Barner had or Colson Loveland had, it's, you know, suddenly they become kind of the the first people a quarterback's looking at when the, when the play starts to fizzle or whatever. So maybe that's an option, but I I just feel like they're going to be open. You know, just like I felt like the tight ends and running backs would be open against Michigan State, I I feel like the wide receivers are going to be open against Purdue. All right, last one on the offensive side. Michigan scores 12.5 points on its first three drives. I'm taking the over. That's 13 or more on the opening three drives. Got to think. I mean, Michigan obviously has been quiet about the investigation, but we talked about the frustration that they have to be feeling that, you know, we, we imagine that they are feeling. You think the players are going into this matchup thinking, ah, you know, just to, just get a win. A gritty win's fine. No way. They know they can beat Purdue in 20 different ways, but they want to show the most impressive way. They want to do, just as Jim Harbaugh told the players at halftime against Michigan State, leave no doubt. They want to they hit the gas right away and just keep going up until 100. Not 100 points, but 100 miles an hour metaphorically. I, I think they score more than 13 points in their first three drives. How about you? Yeah, I guess we're in agreement on all three of these because I, I feel the same way. I think uh, Purdue has to be the first recipient of a very angry guy. I got to assume uh, one more very quick aside. I kind of like, I feel like all this crap, I think like might be a huge positive for the the current team. I kind of feel like there's a, there's going to be a huge chip on the collective shoulder for Michigan uh, this last month of the season. So we've seen how much they, have re- they rally around Harbaugh? I mean, you think of JJ they love the- they love the Michigan against the world. Yeah, and Michigan not and, against everybody, and it mindset. really and now it feels like it's not contrived right now. I don't feel like so or as contrived if it is if it you know. Uh, so I, Saturday's this Saturday. This is gonna be a, a fascinating game for that reason. Like, does like do they just come out gangbusters or do they come out a little? too tight you know because of everything you know, it's just kind of a fascinating but I'll well, take yeah, you don't want to you don't want to be like too jacked up especially i mean depending on your position like some positions yeah you want to be as fired up as possible some positions you do need to like keep your head right, right. fulfill your assignment well you know, and not... that and that's where the that's but they're they're like and you're i think you're thinking about up front and i think that's where that'd be the least concern to have michigan come out right you know very veteran Yep. groups on both sides of the ball up front. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I, they're it's to their benefit in that regard too, where, yeah, the, the positions where you, yeah, you don't want to necessarily uh, come out with your hair on fire uh, are the positions I think Michigan are, is least liable to that and quarterback, you know, and J, we've seen JJ has played uh, nearly flawless football this year. So I don't think it's much of a concern that they, I don't think they'd come out tight, but you know, you just, you know, we're not them. We're not, we haven't been in the locker room. We haven't been in Shebeck, but we don't really know exactly the psyche of the team, but I, I do kind of feel like it'll be a, a positive overall for them. Yeah. I think it's motivation to, you know, hearing the player press conferences, hearing the player quotes this week. Sounds like it's motivation. 
I mean, they, you know, they're downplaying it. Obviously, they're not like trying to get Michigan in trouble or say anything that's going to be spun the wrong way. But yeah, I think they they embrace the Michigan versus everybody. And speaking for Michigan, it sure feels like it's Michigan versus everybody right now. I mean, it seems like oh, oh well, we're not getting into it again. All right, switching over to the defense. We don't have a ton of time, so we're just going to kind of fire through these. I might throw a couple facts in here and there. Purdue's leading rusher gains 39.5 yards. That's a low over-under. I think I might take the over, but I did want to point out Devin Maccabee and Hudson card. Quarterback is card. Maccabee's the running back. Uh, They are both among the top 10 in power five ball carriers in fumbles. And I know I asked uh, uh, Jamie Morris, former Michigan running back, Maccabee has seven fumbles this season. I asked him, how many fumbles could you get away with before you're benched for a few weeks? He said, if I fumbled twice, I was benched for a month. Didn't matter if I was leading the nation in rushing yards. If I fumbled twice, I I was benched for a month. So the fact that they are down, that Maccabee has seven fumbles and he's still the starting guy. And Ryan Walter said in his press conference this week, like, you know, he's still our guy. I think that tells you how much they've struggled in the run game. I'm taking the over. But I do think that will be – I don't think Purdue's going to run the ball super successfully. I just think someone could probably get to 40 rushing yards. All right, next one. Hudson Card completes 55% of his passes. I'm actually taking over on that one too just because he's completing 79% of his passes less than 10 yards down the field. Beyond that, he's really struggling. So on third and long, I, I don't expect a high percentage. But but can he get to 55% with a lot of the – the short range, dink and dunk, you know, their their pass catchers don't drop a ton of passes. I'm taking the over on the percentage. Last one, Michigan allows 299.5 yards from scrimmage. Definitely taking the under on that one. I I that's high. Neil, what's up, man? <laughs> You've been watching. I don't know what what Purdue game you watched. I I don't see a team that's going to get to to 300 yards without some fluke junk plays in the fourth quarter, which which could happen, but um so I'm going over over under I think Michigan's defense will have a field day I just think particularly the completion percentage I think card is going to try to go above that and I feel like their their run game just because they're so dependent on Maccabee and Tyrone Tracy the odds that one of them or even card on a scramble get up to 40 feel pretty high Steve how about you uh for all three I'm gonna go under on leading rusher under on Hudson card and then what was it yards from scrimmage? Two ninety nine. Yeah, no, like way Isn't under. that high. Way under. I might, I might shoot Neil a message. Say, hey, yeah, dude. I think, know, no, you, I had did to, you I mean one ninety nine? I had to like wait, wait, what? Uh, yeah, under for sure. Which real like I think Purdue. Like I like I like Ryan Walters. I think he'll get Purdue on track eventually. You know, you see it in the NFL with uh, Witherspoon's been great for Seattle. I think Kirby Joseph was a Illinois grad for the lions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, yeah, he was yeah. dealt a tough hand at Purdue losing O'Connell losing big time, Charlie Jones, Durham. I don't think it's a coincidence that Brome finally went back to, you know, they, that they tough time reloading kind of hard to reload at Purdue. I think it's like you talk about, yeah, Jamie Morris was probably going to get benched. Cause there was probably, I don't, I don't remember. I was before my time, but I'm sure whoever was behind him on the depth chart was pretty darn good too as great as Jamie right right you know Purdue Purdue a little bit of a different situation I would assume but but either even then like seven fumbles is a ton so um 
But yeah, and then prediction wise, real quick, I'll just go Michigan forty four, Purdue twelve. Okay, okay. I got to go with a prediction with no field goals because they are three for ten on field goals this oh. season. But I'm gonna I'm in a similar boat offensively. I'm gonna say Michigan forty five, Purdue. I I was tempted about the shutout pick, but that it's always a risky play. I'm gonna say seven. I'm gonna say forty five seven. Michigan wins another. I mean, it's going to look very similar to, in my opinion, the other Big Ten blowout wins that they've had. You know, we can talk about maybe they keep the afterburners on in the fourth quarter, but they also know that they're playing Penn State next week. I mean, their their true prove-it opportunity is next week against Penn State. I think Michigan wins pretty convincingly. Another all-phases success story. One small prediction, I think Michigan might get a return touchdown this week this is this is one of the few weeks where i'm looking at it and saying purdue is outside the top 120 in hang time both in kickoffs and punts and they're not that great at distance either i i think this is one of the write it down i think this is one of those moments but anyway thank you so much for listening through this whole episode i know we had a lot to say Uh, obviously we'll have updates if there are meaningful updates on sign gate in future episodes but for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan247Sports.com for inside scoops, for preview content, for breaking news. Check it all out there. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.